Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome, everybody, to episode 163 of the Galen Trombley Show. Um, if this is in a little bit different, it's our first time doing a webinar. Um, my guest today is actually the first person to do the podcast, not at the actual desk. And Dan, just because we roll pretty much live, I'm just showing you the normal setup. In the, wow, that, that. This is normally where you would be, but we're here. So that, that's there basically little boom the, mics going on there and everything. What do you have? Yeti microphones? What are you using? We got a uh, sure mics, um, yeah. and then uh, we got Stein. Mine is a Steinheiser headset. We got the Zoom H6. It's a pretty good setup, but um, you are not in the area, so this is the first time we're doing this, which should be fun. And we've been trying to set this up, um, so I'm glad we did put it together. And we're using. I'll let you plug the software because um, we're. Well, I don't I, need to plug it. I don't I need to plug this, it. But this is this is part of your company, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is Webex, and um, yeah. So I'll give you a. Uh, I'll give you an audio copy. I'll give you a complete video copy and a transcription of everything we say. In, in French, so that's good. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. my guest today, episode 163, is Mr. Dan Stewart. Um, Dan, I had a very, uh, you know, I, I guess impactful um, career here in Plattsburgh, New York. Um, again, I will let you go through some of some of the details, but you were um, a council, council person at one point. You were a mayor at one point. Um, you were in the Air Force up here at one point, so kind of, uh, like I said, you, you were uh, very, uh, your North Country accent was very good when you came on, so you had plenty of years <laughs> to practice it, so. Why, yes, <laughs> by the cheese and crow there. Oh, geez and crow, I like it. So, uh, Dan, so <laughs> anybody that does not know you, give us kind of a little rundown who you are. Yeah, sure. So, um, so first of all, uh, thanks for the invite to uh, do this with you. So, yeah. I, you know, I haven't had really a a Plattsburgh experience for a while, you know, so th this is good to uh, be able to do this. I listened to the one you did with Mark Barry and I really liked it. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Mark's well, you must've known Mark quite well. Oh, yeah. 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 And there, there are, there are so many people who recently, John and I, my husband, we were up in uh, Plattsburgh recently. We had to go to a wedding up in West Z. One of his cousins was being married. So uh, it was, uh, we actually drove up from Florida and uh, took our time getting up there and back. And it, it was really good to visit again. Uh, but for people who don't know me, uh, my, my origins come from the state of Rhode Island. So I grew up as a kid in Rhode Island on the mean streets of Pawtucket. And uh, I'm a guy that had a single mom uh, from my childhood. And then she had eventually remarried uh, to a cop, which I was not very happy about. And uh, I had a stepfather who was a police officer and a bit of a authoritarian. So I revolted and, uh, yeah, rebelled or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, I was... Um, you know, I have a little storied history of my childhood, and you know, I was uh, I'm also a recovering drug addict and alcoholic, which a lot of people in Plattsburgh know. Okay. And and uh, when I uh, when I was about eight years old, is the first time I had a drink. About eleven years old was my first joint. So you know, uh, you know, I started out early, and uh, I was a bit of a mess before I even joined the Air Force. But I left Rhode Island in uh, 1980, 
And uh, my when I was 17, my mother signed the papers for me to go into the military. And uh, right after my birthday, I hopped on a plane, went down to San Antonio, Texas, joined the, I was in the Air Force, and um, I had eight years in the Air Force. And uh, the last four years were at Plattsburgh Air Force Base. And um, that's how I arrived in Plattsburgh, like so many people in that region that are still there, right? Plattsburgh has this, uh, well, for the Air Force, it had this uh, grip on people. And they, they would come to Plattsburgh and end up retiring there and not going back home to where they came from. And a lot of that happens at Air Force bases around, you know, around the country, around the world. But uh, Plattsburgh just seemed to have this draw for people. So there's a lot of former Plattsburgh Air Force Base people still living there. And um, the amazing thing was is that I left uh, the Air Force in 1988. And in 1993, as a city councilman, we started the whole process of reusing the air base. Clyde Rabideau was the mayor at that time. It was about saving the base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then the government uh, doing a quick uh, one-two on us and losing the base. And then how do we use the base? But when I left the military, uh, I settled in Plattsburgh. I was living in downtown Plattsburgh. Actually, I was hopping all over the place. I really had nowhere to live. I had left the military and had no job, no nothing. And uh, But I had been sober for 14 months when I left the military uh, because I got in a little bit of trouble in my last year in the military. So they told me I had to stay sober and they sent me to a rehab. And when I left uh, left the Air Force, uh, I was, I was out for maybe two months or so and I started drinking again. And when I did, I lost everything and I had nowhere to stay. And it was one of the strangest times in my life uh, that that was what happened. And for a few nights, I slept under the Bridge Street Bridge. Uh, wow. in downtown Plattsburgh, and uh, and then some friends were like, uh, "Okay, you can stay on my sofa," and then I stay on that. So I sofa surfed for probably a good year and a half uh, around Plattsburgh with friends, uh, just people who felt kind of sorry for me. And uh, but in uh, in in late uh, 1988, I, I got I got sober again, and I've been clean and sober since. So it's a little over 32 years now. Wow. Um, so, uh, well, okay. So let's. You didn't know any of that, did you? Yeah. I, I'm, I, what's in your face? No, I mean, I, I get the boring stuff. I get that tells you that you're like <laughs> the years and dates that you did. I know how old you are. I mean, it's yeah, very important stuff here. So, but, yeah. uh, so, but, so, Dan, if um, you went into the military, went into um, Air Force, um, you got transferred up here, you said in the 80s um, to Plattsburgh. Yeah. So what was that like coming to Plattsburgh? Had you heard of Plattsburgh? Had, um, no. Probably from where you grew up was about what, five, six hours away? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had never heard of Plattsburgh. Right. And uh, actually I was trying to get stationed in Iceland uh, when I, I was stationed in South Dakota and I, I was putting for places that I would want to go. Uh, but there's an old saying in the strategic air command of, uh, of the air force, which is called SAC strategic air command. And that was once in SAC, always in SAC. So basically getting out of strategic air command was going to be difficult. And I was stationed at a missile base and bomber base in South Dakota. And I had put in for all of these exotic areas and Iceland. And I ended up getting uh, this assignment to Plattsburgh Air Force Base. And I was like, where is that? You know, and I looked at it and I said, well, it's not too far from home and it's not too close to home, which is a good thing. Uh, and uh, I, I, one thing I didn't want to do is ever really go back home. I never want you know, to visit. Yes, but not to stay. 
And uh, and I also saw that Montreal wasn't very far from Plattsburgh either. So I thought, oh, okay, there's going to be a metropolitan city. That's cool. And uh, and that's all I knew. Uh, that was it. So now I'm I'm kind of I'm following the chart here of like where you of so <laughs> the so Plattsburgh Air Force Base now. Um, now, what was your first, I guess, when you came to Plattsburgh, like, again, I don't want to date either of us, but what was the 80s like in Plattsburgh when you first showed up? <laughs> and what was the base? What was the base like? I was born wow. in the 80s, just I was, I have no memory of that time. Yeah. All right. Great question. So, um, airheads, people like me lived on the base <laughs> and locals. Was this, is this the Oval at the time? Oh, no, no, no. This is over on the new base. I, I, okay, I, so you were like on New York Road, yeah, off the New York Road? Officers lived on the Oval. Enlisted okay. folks like me, we lived over on the uh, on the cheap side. We're on the other side of the tracks. You slummed it. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. So we're <laughs> slumming it over on the new base. And uh, <laughs> uh, when I first got there, uh, it was uh, April of 1984, I think. And, okay. and I was like, well, you know, it's like anything, uh, Galen. You, you go somewhere new, the natural human responses are there. Are they going to like me? Right? What's it going to be like? And what were you at the time? Were you like mid 20s? Oh, yeah, I was uh, 22. Okay, early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a young guy. In fact, I was just looking at some pictures the other day of me back in the military. I was a young, skinny guy. And, uh, you know, it, it was like really interesting looking at that. But yeah, and I came here, and um, it was very strange uh, because you know it's a it's a new beginning. You're trying to figure out you know the people you're working with. There's this immediate thing about you know what what's it going to be like here. And at that time, the mall uh, was uh, it was the uh, what was then considered the South Champlain Mall at that time, yep. and yep. before the no, new new one was built. So we had the old mall and downtown was an absolute mess. I mean, it was a mess. Uh, I remember like, I was still, well, let's see, I was, I was heavily drinking. Then. So there were places like Mother's and Lila's uh, uh, and some other places on City Hall Place. And uh, it was really, it was interesting, uh, but I spent most of my time on the base. You know, I didn't venture all too often downtown. I, I didn't want to, you know, like really deal with the locals. <laughs> and the locals, for the most part, other than us being an economic engine, a lot of the young locals didn't want us downtown either. What? what uh, how many people were on the base? Do you remember? Oh, Just you involved know, I, in that whole community? Wasn't it about eight eight thousand? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a high number. It was a huge, huge number of people. The nice thing about the base, though, you have to understand, is that we had um, we had our own. Uh, places to shop at, right, and to get groceries and and booze and <laughs> well, so, well, Dan, where was all that on the base back then? Most of it was on the new base. It was all on the new base, and the BX was there, the uh, the store for clothing, um, anything that you really basically needed for the basics. But then you'd go off base to do other things, like you know, there was even a movie theater on bases, gymnasiums. Everything was on base. What now? The gymnasium is that what we would deem the rec center now in the Oval? Uh, one of them, yeah, yeah. Later on, okay. they built another one over on the new base. But yeah, the one on the oval is uh, one that was used. Okay, was it at the wellness center? That we, or, or what we were the what was the wellness center, Westside Ballroom down New York Road. 
I don't. This might be kind of new. You know what? It, that that it might be named that. I I don't know. It, it was like okay. Yeah, because I get out. It's on the. It, yeah, it's on the base. So it's like we, when I look at um, you know, like I said, old old times with Flatsbury. I like kind of looking at the history of it. But yeah. you talk about like the movie theater. I'm like, I don't know a movie theater down there. So I'm sure it, it was yeah. probably one of the one of the buildings or whatever that's been turned yeah. into warehousing or something. I mean, so HSBC Bank on base and. Other, you know, dry cleaning, all this other stuff. So it was like it's all self-contained city within a city. Now, have you been back to the or back to the base? Oh yeah, since you left. Every single time I visit Plattsburgh, I drive across that base. Okay, I, so I, I have tremendous memories from that base. I mean, just the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, it's like going across Plattsburgh Air Force Base is a time warp for me. It's kind of like when I go home to Rhode Island. When I do visit, if I see friends of mine. You know, it's like they're still stuck in the 80s. You, you know, it's like, it's almost like time stood still when I see my friends back home. <laughs> oh, really? So, um, so I, like, I actually went to a building this morning. It was a commercial space down near the base. And um, it was funny because it used to be an old roller rink. Um, right. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yeah. this place, but yeah. um, so I remember as a kid going there. So, the so funny used to that, or actually, used to run it. Who did? Mike, uh, the city councilman, uh, Mike, he, he ran that thing. Oh, Mike Back, Kelly. Yeah. No, no, not Mike Kelly. Um, oh, I like Mike was his uh, thing. I can't believe I just blanked on his last name. But, yeah, he was the city councilman for uh, Ward 2 or 1. Ward okay, so I, I actually was thinking about this today. I'm like, who ran that? So it was the uh, late, uh, Lake City Skate. And I remember going there as a kid. We had birthday parties and stuff. And the, the skating rink is still there. So, like, of course, I walk in and there's some stuff that – hasn't changed and there's a lot that has changed but it's like a nostalgia like i can't believe this was as <laughs> vibrant as it was 20 years ago and now right you know now it's a big warehouse that they're, they're looking to sell but um same thing like kind of blast from the past you like went and typically i'm not a not that i don't mind looking at the past i'm just so busy right. day to day that when you look at something yeah. like man this is like wow just brings you right back you know, it's like um, going to skyway plaza right and, yeah. and and the ever controversial roundabout that people in Plattsburgh still can't use properly because every time I go there, someone mm -hmm. stops when they're not supposed to stop. I mean, it's like, or they just blow right through and run through the yield. I'm like, you, you're in the rule of thumb. No, you're in the, if you're in the circle, you get precedence. You have no right? clue the heat I took for that roundabout. Were you the one that put that in? Yeah. Well, not I me. The state put it in, but yeah. But we I mean, put you're the decision making. I. Yeah. So have you ever, you ever been to? Um, have you ever been to Ireland? They might have this in a lot of European cities, but yes. Ireland had it on, instead of going to, there was like no stoplights. Everything was roundabout. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. You just keep driving. Yeah. If you know how to use them. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, we did, actually. We did some silly yeah. things like reverse angle parking too. We tried that and I got tore up for that one as well. <laughs> the, uh, the worst roundabout though is if you go up to Champlain, they put two of them on the yeah. exit and the train, the tracks or the track shows are going through, but. Anybody coming up from Route 11, cutting across, they fly right through. I've almost been sideswiped twice going through there. Really? And I'm in the roundabout. I'm turning off to go yeah. to the exit. And they, they're, yeah. You can tell they're not stopping. So slam on yeah. the brakes, let them whip through. <laughs> so um, so uh, what got you into politics? Was this? Uh, that's interesting. So, so I got sober in uh, late 88. And um, I, the first and foremost, I just needed to be able to stay sober. Right. Uh, when I went out, I mean, I was doing a lot of coke and other stuff too. So I, I was a total mess when I when I got clean and sober in '88. And when I um, when I started going back to meetings, I was going to my 12-step groups. Don't say the names of them. 
that's mm -hmm. not allowed. So I'm going to 12 step groups and doing my meetings. And uh, I actually started pumping gas. My first job was pumping gas for Ed Champagne at the Sunoco station on the corner of uh, Route 3 and um, I don't know, anyway, where it's, it's up Turnpike. Uh, oh, 22B in Route 3? No, no, no. In, in right, in, right in the city there. It's uh, by the Walgreens and across from Burger King. It was Burger King. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So there was a, a Sunoco gas station there. Yep. And Ed, Ed Champagne had all these racing cars. He'd race all the time. And I'd be like pumping gas, running the station at night. And, you know, that, that that's how I got my start back. And then um, and then I was doing work for some other folks. So, so there were some guys in recovery that were construction guys in, in Plattsburgh and other businessmen. Right, there are business people that uh, you know were staying sober, and they kind of took a little pity on me, and they were like, uh, "So you go for work? No, nothing. No, you, you want a job? Yeah, I got a job doing some wire lathing. I did the wire lathing on the side of a building. You know that? You know that um, Betty Little Park they just opened up? Yeah, yep. Right. I opened that up years ago for outdoor movies. Right. And every time I go there and I look at that building that. Is up against the West, it. the West Ocon building. Yeah, no, the other one. The side of that whole building, right from top mm -hmm. to bottom, had to be uh, wire lathed and then put the uh, the stucco concrete on it. Right. I, I actually helped to do that, and uh, you know, it's that was one of my many jobs. I was like, a, a, "Give me money, I'll do the job." Is basically what it was. So are, you're talking about the one that I guess closer to. Um... Trying to think back, like Santa Margaret. Santa Margaret, and look down at the the city parking lot down below. Yeah, building yeah, on the left. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was going to say it was uh there, there was a bagel shop there, and then next yeah. to the sushi Yamasushi now, which was yeah. Mr. Wu back in the day. But yes, yeah. Um, Mr. Wu. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Wu. Yeah, so he's he's yeah. great. And, and uh, Freddie Choi was the one I believe that owned the building that we did the wire lathing on, and uh, Freddie was okay, great yeah. too. And because Freddie ran it before Mr. Wu, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We used to, I mean, we used to go there. I mean, I, I like Yama, uh, but when I, that was another nostalgia was going there. And luckily Yama, have you ever been to Yama Sushi here? No. no. So they took over the space and it's, it's very good, but they, uh, they kept some of the same stuff from Mr. Wu. But again, I have memories as a child going there with my parents, yeah. my grandparents. So um, there's sure. always good memories going there. And every once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. run into him and he's guys, guys, memory is impeccable. Never forget cool. my name. Um, so so you got in, okay, so you, you were doing odd jobs um, that yeah. led to- Then I started driving a tractor trailer. Then I started driving a tractor trailer, right? So this and is- you were out of the military at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got out in 88, okay. right, February 88. Okay. Yep. And, and then I had a, a summer of fun, and then I got sober. Uh, a summer that wasn't so much fun, but I got sober. And then, uh, you know, I do the odd jobs, and then I finally, like, I'm going to go to the labor department. So I went over, and I forget the guy's name. I talked to him over at the uh, labor department over on, I think it was on Miller Street. And I'm talking with him. He goes, yeah, he's, well, you know, uh, can, can he drive tractor trailers? I said, yeah, I actually have a, a, a class A license. Yes. And he goes, okay, so here's, here's a number. Call this guy. And it was a guy that lived up in uh, Sheezy or West Sheezy. And I started driving for him. Right. And okay. uh, just, it was a Harvey. Uh, I did. I did work for Harvey, but before okay. Harvey, it was this other guy, then Harvey. Okay. And then, um, and then I unionized. Right. So I went to work for Georgia Pacific and I got a job with them and it was a union job. And uh, I was working with those guys. Great, great group of workers there. 
and uh, again, going all over the place. And this is over the course of like three years from like 89 to 90, well, four years, 89 to 93. And then when GP, um, you know, I left GP and I went to St. Johnsbury Trucking. Now, not everybody remembers St. Johnsbury, but we had about 4,000 workers in the Northeast US and uh, Southern Ontario and Quebec. And uh, in 1993, around, I think, March of 93, well, first of all, how to get into politics? I have to say that first. <laughs> I'll keep going. It's great. Right. So, all right. So, so in 90, 93, they went out of business. One hour notice. St. Johnsbury went out of business. Oh, so, okay. So, okay. Yep. I'm sitting in the break room, and I'm reading the Press Republican, and there's this thing there about they're going to add a new um, uh, map for districts for city council for aldermen. They're called aldermen then, and. Uh, they were changing the maps and there was going to be an open seat right and that's where my political start came but before that let me go back to why i'm political right at about 12 years old now i was a very sports oriented kid although i was you know doing bad things i was still sports oriented um i remember my mother yelling at me daniel get outside grab a ball and a glove and get away from that tv why was I watching TV? The Watergate hearings, right? I was watching the entire Watergate hearings from end to end as much as I could. I was just, in, I, I was just so overwhelmed and enthralled by. Were you like twelve years old at the time? Yeah, twelve years old. Yeah, and I was just hooked on what was happening. Right, there was a break in. The president was doing something wrong. Times don't change, do they? And you know, and and here I am at twelve years old, totally into it. And when I was driving tractor trailer, right, I'd be going from here down to uh, Sylacauga, Alabama, then back up to New Jersey and over to the St. Albans, Vermont, then back over to Shazy, drop off a truck. And what do you do in a truck all night long? You listen to the radio. And AM radio was a thing back then, Larry King and other shows. But there was such constant political talk. Gee, times don't change much, do they? <laughs> and all this, all this talk. And I'd be listening to it, and I started to form opinions, right? Uh, I started to have my opinions. And then when uh, this, this incident occurred of the company going down and me having no work and nothing to do, I decided, uh, well, I called a few of my friends uh, in, in recovery and said, hey, I need to talk. And one of them said, did you relapse? I'm like, no, I just need to talk. And we had conversations and I asked him, will you help me if I run for city council? And we're all sitting around. And then one guy asked me, he said, all right, man, he said, I got a problem with this. And I said, what's that? He goes, well, okay. Uh, you're an unemployed truck driver. You're a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. And you're gay. We live in Plattsburgh, New York. This is not San Francisco. This is not Greenwich Village. What in the world makes you think that your qualifications would ever get you elected? <laughs> and he had a point. <laughs> you know, he had a point. But I was like, you know, I'm going to try it. Uh, because I had already got a little politically active with, with the aid stuff. So when I left the military and started making friends in Plattsburgh, some of the people there were started to get sick, right? This is this is the AIDS crisis when it hit, mm -hmm. you know, heavy through the '80s, and you know, people were sick, 
and people in, in the North country were dying and being shunned and everything else. And, uh, you know, and I was gay and I was scared to death. I, I think all of us were scared. Anybody was scared that you're going to catch it. And I was, you know, something's got to be done. And I was watching uh, on TV one time, there was this group called ACT UP, uh, AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. And they had done a massive protest in New York City. And I called down to Albany to someone that, you know, knew that group. And the next thing you know, I have uh, <laughs> a, a shipment coming in the mail of life-size outfit condoms. And I get a few friends and are like, okay, we have to go hand out condoms in the bars in downtown uh, Plattsburgh uh, and do a protest. And they're like, seriously. <laughs> I said, yeah, seriously, we need to do it, right? So I let the police uh, chief know that we were gonna do a uh, an uh, ACT UP demonstration and hand out condoms. And uh, we had fluorescent colored body suit condoms, uh, bright green, bright pink, and all this other stuff. So you you were wearing you were wearing a condom basically. Oh yeah 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 yeah. We, we and had, then you were handing out condoms. Oh absolutely absolutely okay. yeah because we yeah, felt that, the picture here. Yeah, yeah we, we we felt that it was important for the uh, for the college <laughs> students to understand the condoms are important, and uh, so we were going in and out of Monopole and uh, all the other bars and everything handing out condoms, and in <laughs> our condom suits and you know and and people were just like what what and here's the best part. If I remember this correctly, the same night, Al Sharpton was coming to Plattsburgh to speak at Plattsburgh State. Now, <laughs> imagine this. Yeah, and, and I mean, no offense to anybody in the North Country, but there was concern. There was concern, <laughs> right? Dear God, Al Sharpton's coming to town. What does this mean? And remember the times. <laughs> we weren't... Uh, uh, North Country wasn't... Uh, not all people who were like, you know, anyway. It was a little more conservative. Saying. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, anyway, so the, the cops had to cover Al Sharpton and the condom people in one night. <laughs> and and it's, it, it is hilarious. Uh, you know, and then we uh, – go ahead. You get a question. I mean, no, so how many, how many condom guys were there walking around? I think four or five. And you all different color condoms? Yeah. That's great. Well, do you remember what color you were? Green. I was, I was a bright uh, neon green. Love it. There. I love it even more. Three of your favorite colors. So you're, you're winning. And I, and I had a reservoir tip. Yeah. <laughs> they were included. So it was it was a true outfit. So uh, you're really shocked by this conversation, aren't you? I can I, I see actually, your face. Yeah, I, didn't I can see your face. Condom costume. Yeah. Hey, Dan, this is the first condom costume talk we've ever had. So this is great. Mark Barry didn't have one. I thought Mark Barry he was. didn't. I, 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 I was waiting for Mark to come up with something like that, but oh, no, he, he, he just talked about his book. Yeah, he kept it, kept it very low key. <laughs> oh, well, Mark's always been a little conservative, but I liked him. <laughs> Still like him. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so we we did that, and then uh, I was involved in some, uh, um, you know, there were protests every week at Planned Parenthood. So we started to counter protest them. Right, because I was pro-choice, and like we're going to counter-protest, and we did that. And uh, so, you know, all of a sudden, I'm getting interviewed by Channel Five and the Press Republican. Right, I start thinking to myself, "Wow, this is interesting. Like, uh, I could have a platform. I could talk about stuff." So, not only did I decide when I had no job that I was going to run for city council, but it was also already known in the community as being the condom guy. The AIDS active guy, the the pro uh, the the uh, 
pro, uh, pro-choice guy, the gay guy, right? And uh, I figured, what the hell? Let's go for it. And I decided to run. Now, unbeknownst to me, there was another guy named Stewart already on the city council, Jack Stewart. Yes. Right? So, otherwise known as Jackpot, right? And uh, and I met Jack. Well, first of all, I had to go through a process to get the nomination, right? So, Ward 6 was a new, new ward. It was created in the center city. And uh, first of all, I had to carpet bag myself in there to live there so I could, you know, be a citizen of that ward. All right. So, mm-hmm. you know, all, full disclosure, I moved from one, I moved from Hamilton Street over to Couch Street so that I could, uh, I believe that that's what the move was to make sure I was in the right district. And yeah, you like that, don't you? See, I, folks, do. folks, where I, I know what you're talking about. This is, this, this, this is good. So, uh, so now I carpet bagged in and I put my name into the hat because one of the firemen in the city, Tom Krakowski, I was talking to him one day and he said, no, Danny, you should, uh, you should, you should go for the nomination. You should do that. Right. And I'm like, you really think so? He's like, yeah. And, uh, he introduced me to a couple of people, uh, that were on the democratic committee. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, okay, so I'm going to get interviewed and they're going to say, see you later. Right. Well, it came down to three people, uh, that were going to be interviewed for the position and, uh, to be, be the candidate. And, uh, and I went into that wondering what's going to happen here, right? And I'll never forget, uh, Harold Brahinsky um, was uh, leading everything. And I remember the one question he asked, we all went in separately, but he said, if you are not the nominee chosen this evening, do you vow that you will support the nominee that we choose? And I said, no, I'll run an independent campaign. <laughs> Now think about the guts it took. <laughs> yeah, to sit there and say no, all right, and uh, and did, by you, the the other, of, did the other two say yes? Yeah, and one was uh, <laughs> someone that worked at Plattsburgh State. The other one was a downtown business person, and I walked out with the nomination. Figure that one. Do you out. think it was? Do you think it was because of that? I, I'm not, you know what? I think I actually had a platform, right? I, oh. I, I felt that I could address issues for the center city because, you know, student behavior was a, a, an atrocity back then. You know, it, it was it was tough enough to keep a, a street pole in position without it being ripped out every night, let alone people urinating on porches and all this other crazy that was going on. But, you know, people in that neighborhood really wanted someone that would actually listen to them. And I vowed I would listen and try my best. And uh, and I also said, look, I get the whole idea of alcohol and drugs. By this time, I'm sober, right? I'm five years sober. And like, I, I, I understand the scourge. I understand the impact of drugs in our community and, 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 and drunkenness. I get it. And I can, I, I can work on those things. And now I'll work with Plattsburgh State as much as I can. And, and I ended up with the nomination and, and ran for office and ended up winning my first, uh, my first, first go. And this was what, 92, 93? 93, November 93. I remember standing in the government center downtown and they were opening up the machines. And when they opened them, you could stand behind, you could see the numbers, right? And I was looking at the first, I walked over the second I looked at, I said, oh my God, I won. I can't believe I won, right? So I walked across, I think we were across the street at Democratic headquarters and I just walked over there and I, I was like, I think I won. You know, and then they announced it on Wiry that I had won. And that was uh, that was the first time uh, that a female had been 
uh, Christine Rotello was elected to the uh, to the city council, I believe that same year. And I, as wow. the first, uh, I think the first, well, certainly the first openly gay city councilman in the history of Plattsburgh. Who knows if I was really the first, but I certainly wasn't the last. No, I, I so, okay, so I, this is great. I mean, it's like a history lesson for me too. So, <laughs> and, and actually when I, when I thought you were saying how you got into politics, I thought you just like, I took a college course or whatever. So the story I, is, is I never wait. College, I've never been to college. No, that's fine. This story is way better than I, I ever anticipated the, the lead in. So you get the city council position, Ward 6. Um, how did it feel once you got nominated? Was it kind of surreal? Was it, were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you just kind of like completely scared shitless? Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing now. I was really, really, really shocked. Okay. Right? But then I had, I really had a sense of, okay, all right. So it was good to plan and to have an idea and, and to scope it out and to present it properly, right? And, and to not fall into the trap of, oh, yeah, I'll go along with the party. You're not going to find that I ever went along with the party, per se. Look at my history. Uh, read the Press Republican over uh, 12 and a half years. You know, I was a chameleon. I was a Democrat. I was an independent. I was a Republican. You know, a party, in, in small town politics, small cities, it really doesn't matter in the end. Yeah, I I, uh, I always find it like I'm not a, I'm not really big into politics. I, I definitely um, I look I actually look up more to local politics and national nationals. I think it's just a complete sideshow. But I think if you um, not just a sideshow, it's some some other. I, guess I should say the main event, but there's yeah. like so it's like the actual politics is a sideshow. Like it's just yeah, like it's, all it's the other ridiculous. stuff takes jumps up ahead of it. But I really like local politics, and I like the idea of local politics and the idea of like what are they doing for the area, and I. I vote local politics usually on the person. Luckily, I've, as I've you know gotten older a little bit, I've started to meet these people personally. And, you know, you kind of get a feel for the, like, it's kind of like when I interview people for jobs. Like, do I think they are, do I, one, do I think they're a nice person? And two, do I think right. they have the capacity and the, and the willingness to learn? Right. And it doesn't mean that the best person necessarily going in, but do I feel that their heart's really in the right place? And do I think they can execute on their ideas? Why Bill Belichick chose Tom Brady. Exactly. 199th pick, you know, and it's, you know, greatest pick in the NFL history. And, and it's, you know, you look at, um, I, I, I really enjoyed last year's, um, I'm sure you followed it, the mayor race last year with Chris and Scott. No. Okay. So they had the mayor was the election in November and, but they both ran a good campaign and we had, um, since you left, I think who took over, was it Don Kasperzak? Well, no, Jack Stewart was interim mayor, okay. and then it went to Casper Zach, and then to Calnon, and then to Reed. Should be Reed, yeah, and, and then, then now to Rosenquist. Right. So the the uh, and I never was really in politics, and I had Scott on the show, I had Chris on the show, and I felt that both of them ran a pretty clean campaign in the sense that they were just like, hey, this is what we need, and it was refreshing to see at the time. This was yeah. um, twenty twenty November of twenty twenty, but it was. Yeah. Uh, it was cool to see it, and, and I think a lot of people got involved, and um, Chris ultimately won, but I think the day of was a very civil election around here, and it was kind of a fairly – I mean, take away all the national stuff. Like, mm -hmm. from a local standpoint, there was a lot of local elections that, you know, it was just kind of the perfect storm. It just ended up being a really big year, um, but it was fun. It was fun to see people excited, and yeah. I actually went to lunch that day with Jack Stewart's granddaughter, 
and we watched people were going in and voting and she loves politics too but we were just we just went and had had a politics is the Stuart blood over there in ward two yeah don't ever let them fool you everything's political so 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 she she enjoyed it i've met her grandfather but they uh it, it was uh it was fun just to see kind of the buzz around, but then, you know, Chris ended up getting it. So he's doing some stuff now that, it, you know, um, you know, it, so far, so far, so good with some of the stuff, you know, that's going down. So, but when yeah. you, when you went from, so how was it in council back then? Do you follow anything really in Plattsburgh to this day? Yeah, I do. I, I still go online, uh, you know, I'll use up my maximum amount of uh, clicks of stories I can on the free press Republican app. Yep. And uh, I, I do follow different things. Um, you know, the, the council back then was was interesting because it was a big change. It was a massive change from what had been. Uh, Clyde had been mayor, uh, had, had become mayor, and Mark Dame and Casper uh, Zach and other people were on the council, and they were going out, right? And uh, this new blood was coming in. And it was, I think it was a, a time of change in Plattsburgh as well, right? So, you know, there's a realization about the uh, the Air Force base and everything else that's happening. And, you know, there are times where, and it's cyclical, and I think it happens probably on every decade, every 15 years, there'll, there'll be a major like shift of some sort uh, of what's happening. And that was happening then. And, uh, you know, but again, uh, Plattsburgh is an interesting place. I mean, if we want to be really, really honest about it, it's an interesting place because it's always wanted, well, I shouldn't say it has. Many people within it have always wanted it to be Burlington. Mm -hmm. uh, many people have always wanted to emulate Burlington, a downtown like Burlington and, and on and on and on. Well, Plattsburgh's downtown died years ago. And because the there was not going to be a coordination between the downtown business owners and the new developers coming in. And when the mall was built, it started to kill the downtown, right? Mm -hmm. So these stores that had been like staples in downtown, not like staples, staples, but staples, you know, the, the main like, states. Like, like Merkel and all those like stuff. Yeah. 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 They, they were, they were, they were dying out and uh, everything was going up on route three. And you really had to start to look at the city a little different then on, well, what is Plattsburgh? What is it going to be? And how do you get a downtown that thrives, right? So economic development became a big part of Clyde Rabideau's uh, time as mayor, was, was really pushing economic development, grant programs, all the kinds of stuff. Um, but you know, when I came in, <clears throat> my first real controversy was stray cats, right? Stray cats. So <clears throat> we have this person that comes to me and says, Councilman Stewart, which counselors, they're not all aldermen anymore. Councilor Stewart, we have stray cats down here in the flats and we need them taken care of. And I said, what do you mean taken care of? They got to be taken care of. They got to be gone. Wait, Dan, we're going to jump in real quick. Where, yeah. Where's the flats? That's down uh, by where the police station is. Okay. The only reason I'm saying that, when did that first come up? When that term first, do you know where that term started? Or was it always called the flats? I have no idea how it was called the flats, but it's called the flats. So I, I have a friend of mine that refers to it, the flats. It's like his favorite place in Plattsburgh. And he's like, there was the flats. I've never heard of that. Most people have. And he goes, what are you talking about? It's always been the flats. And he's not from around here. So I wasn't sure. But yep. okay. So we're the same spot. So yes, yeah, keep going. So straight I go up to the house and I look and here's these cats with like 17 legs on them hopping around. So obviously we've got a feral cat problem, right? And they're like frothing at the mouth and like, okay, we gotta do something about this. And 
I remember talking to the dog catcher and saying, hey, can you like get rid of him? He's like, what do you mean get rid of him? <laughs> just get rid of him. Make them disappear. Well, next thing you know, <clears throat> there's some lady in the city that loves stray cats. And here we go. Next thing you know, the press Republican, it's getting close to Halloween. And the press Republican at that time was drawing their own cartoons in the paper. <laughs> and they have me dressed as a cat for Halloween going door to door and a homeowner saying, sorry, Counselor Stewart, we don't feed strays. <laughs> That's how controversial it was. It became a cartoon. Wow. A Republican. Figure that one out. I like that. So, so, uh, we don't, and, we don't have any of those political cartoons. And I got an opponent for the next election because of it. Just just because they're fighting on the cat issue. The cat issue is what brought him to rise. John Ford. That's that's what brought him into the What's sight the, line of running for office. Cat guy. I I uh so it was just the amount of cats and the fact that these cats were sick. Well, yeah. Feral cats. I mean, makes, you know what feral I mean, cats do, right? They do I mean, I'm not a cat guy. Do. So I I, I, yeah, I'm not a big cat guy, but to me, also a sick cat, and there's a ton of cats, seems like that's a problem. Yeah, if feral cats are out there just populating, repopulating, repopulating, you know, it's, it's like, a, like rabbits, right? So they're doing yeah. their thing. But the problem is, is they're urinating everywhere. People's yards are smelling. They hear them mm -hmm. going on, right? And they're getting aggravated. They can't sleep. So what do you do? You know, so you call Councilor Stewart. He'll come down. He'll kill the cats, right? So uh, anyway, so I I totally denied that the cats were ever killed because I don't know if they were. Um, yeah. I'd heard rumors, but you know uh, it's all I knew, and that was the end of that. And but that was my first real controversy was was the stray cat controversy. <laughs> so so I, I'm assuming. Well, I, I guess set the straight. When we say you go into politics, you go into politics, you kind of you don't make friends. I mean, do you find that obviously you, I'm sure you made plenty of enemies, but do you think that you obviously fostered very good relationships with many do you, people. Do you want to know the truth about politicians? I would love to. <laughs> Every politician, in my opinion, is an egotist with an inferiority complex. <laughs> right? So they have an ego as huge as whatever can be, but they're the most sensitive people in the world <laughs> when someone says, I don't like your opinion, or I don't think you should do that. I think you're wrong. <gasps> How dare you? I'm a politician. I was elected by the people. You know, mm -hmm. politicians are. I honestly, I mean, my 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 view on politicians has changed dramatically since I was one, uh, and I, I I have lost a lot of respect for the political process, and uh, you know. But for the most part, politicians are in office to get reelected. They're not there yeah. necessarily to do everything that you want them to do but they are there to do what they think is right to get them enough votes to run again and win. Is there term limits in Plattsburgh? There is mayor, mayor is two terms, right? Yeah, there is now. I think when I was elected mayor, that's when the uh, limits started to come in. Uh, we changed the term, and then I think the length of time you could stay in. Okay, and then what about council, council uh, person? Are they... Same thing. So they have like eight years or 12 I years? Think so. Yeah, I think it's six or eight years that they have. Um, okay. I'm not exactly how much they've played with the law since. Usually they play with that law whenever they can because they want to keep someone in office and change it and just get enough votes or something to change it. And yeah. So, so what's your, so term limits, I'm assuming you're, you're an advocate for term limits. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
the uh, the one thing I the two issues that I have in at least from a political standpoint, like the president's two four year terms, I think that's fine. It's it's senates have no term limits. Neither do account anybody in Congress. I think should have term limits. The other issue is too. At least Senate, you get six years, right, until you get yeah. reelected. Yeah. The problem is House of Representatives, you're running for reelection all the time because every two years. All the time. So it's like you get in, you have maybe six months to do stuff. And it's like we got to go back on the campaign trail. And but you think like, Schumer was still a congressman or something because the way he flies around New York State and lands everywhere, you know, and, yeah. and it's, you know, he'll attend the uh, the opening of a, of a gas station to cut the ribbon, ribbon you know, and uh, that's what Governor Douglas was like over in Vermont. Like he'd attend to everything. Oh, they're opening a restaurant. Let's go cut the ribbon. You know, and it's like politicians need to be loved. Right, they have this deep inner desire to be liked and loved, and 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 they 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 will do things. It, it, now, I, maybe I should just speak from my own perspective, but I just see it in so many of them that it's just a part of the thing of being seen, having the appearance that you're doing what people need and that you're doing the job, and uh, and doing that as much as possible, but not so much that you have to overwhelm yourself with people asking you real questions and giving real answers. Isn't that yeah. a terrible outlook they're, they're, politics? They're very elusive. They know how to, they know, they're like, a, you know, it's like someone's trying to grab something with well, like greasy hands. They just state out. assembly, state senate. They're not in the district all the time. They're in Albany. So there's a separation mm -hmm. between the constituency. Local politics isn't like that. If you're going to be a town supervisor, town councilor, city councilor, mayor, anything like that, you have to be able, when you walk in that grocery store or into the restaurant that you're going to be hellowed, asked questions. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I would go somewhere and someone would be like, oh, I need some sidewalk, you know? And, okay, I'm gonna write that down, you know? And, uh, but you have to be on all the time. The greatest thing mm -hmm. that happened to me about leaving politics and, and state government after I was done there was that I didn't have to be answerable to people anymore. That was such a weight off my shoulders. I mm -hmm. don't have to listen to the people anymore. <laughs> do, do you, did that get overwhelming? It does. It does. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that I think that for me, I knew when it was time, right? I knew when it was time. In fact, John actually told me when it was time not to be mayor anymore. And uh, when I left the state government, John told me it was time because a spouse, you know, we don't always see it first ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. But our spouse can see it and they yeah. see their behavior. He's how it's affecting you, maybe at home exactly. or just yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's he's always been my uh, barometer of change. Mm -hmm. So the uh, so when you want, I guess, when you ran for mayor, what caused you to run for mayor? So this is the election of what, 1999. So what was what was what caused you to want to run for mayor from a council person? There's so much that goes into that. So I, I did my first term and I ran for office again <clears throat> when I was running for office. Um, that was 1995. And um, I had got a call at 4 a.m. from my sister telling me that my parents had just been killed and that I needed to get back to Rhode Island. And this was in November. Uh, and we, we had just had the election and uh, I went back to Rhode Island. Uh, my mother had passed, my, my stepfather hadn't, but he really never came back into any being anyway. And, uh, and it was very tragic, but uh, I got a lot of support out of uh, everybody uh you know during that time but then between 95 and 97 um you know or 96 and 98 uh things were changing a little uh, this friction going on on the council right and it started to be a little bit of friction between myself and clyde rabadou and and uh you know and, and it was just kind of one of those times where it was 
again, you know, I'd, I'd go along with a lot of stuff, but not everything, right? I ha I, you have to be independent to some degree. You just can't be a yes man or a yes woman. And, uh, and I went ahead and, you know, and up until 1998, I think was the year of the ice storm, right? And uh, the ice storm hit. And when it hit, that's when the coup d'etat took place, right? That was the coup d'etat. That's where I, as Mayor Pro Tem, we were having a meeting in the basement, I think, of the police department, city council mayor. John, what's mayor, what's mayor pro tem mean? Who's John? Or not John. Dan, Dan I'm, I'm re you just said John. Sorry. Dan, the so the mayor pro tem is a temporary mayor for. Yeah, that's a mayor wannabe. That's the mayor wannabe. Oh, and, wannabe. Okay. And, yeah. And, and it's the one okay. that's uh, if the mayor has gone, you run the meetings. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Right. You're the fill-in. You're the vice president. Right. Gotcha. So, okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so where I think at the police department having a council meeting there during the ice storm or something. And I remember that the coup d'etat took place. I was replaced as mayor pro tem and I think Jack Stewart took it. Right. That was the start of the end. Right. So drama, get the drum rolling. Right. That was a start of the end for myself and Clyde at that time in our lives. And, um, so for the next two years, I actually, uh, I, I think I went independent and I was an independent candidate after that. Uh, and uh, yeah, after that I was an independent and then I became a Republican and I became a Republican because the Republicans wanted me to run for mayor. No one was going to run against Clyde Rabideau. You see, you have to understand so, something. Here. So Clyde was a Democrat at the time. Oh, he was always a Democrat. Yeah. Okay. So I, I know the name Clyde. I don't know him personally, but I, I'm aware of, who he is, Clyde yeah. Rabideau, I said this during our debate when we had it for the mayor's race, will go down in history, I hope, as probably the best mayor that the city of Plattsburgh ever had, All right? But then I added a caveat, which I won't repeat here. It was a PBS <laughs> debate. I added a caveat. But in my, in my mind, even today, I believe that he took Plattsburgh on a, on a, on a, uh, on a direction of recovery. Uh, but I don't think Plattsburgh was ready to go along for the full ride. And he did a lot of things for downtown Plattsburgh, bringing in boatloads of money for uh, cleaning up the buildings and getting new businesses downtown. And there was so much that he did. And Rosemary Schoonmaker at the Community Development Office, I mean, it was really good. Uh, but politics was our problem. I had no problem with the great things he did, but I had problems politically, we had problems. So, um, I remember I got a call from somebody in the uh, in the Republican Party, of which I will not name, and they said, "Hey, blah 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 blah." I said, "Well, yeah, I'm going to move to Montreal, and I'm uh, I'm going up there. I, I had a boyfriend in Montreal at that time, and uh, I said I'm going to move up there and live up there." And he said, "Well, you know, maybe you should think about running for mayor." And I said, "What? Why would I do that? You know, no one's going to beat Clyde, right?" And uh, then I get an invitation to go to Albany. So I drove down to Albany and I ended up sitting in a room with another individual of some power in Albany who said, I think you should run for mayor of Plattsburgh. <laughs> and I said, you do, huh? He goes, yeah. And we had a conversation about a few things and, uh, and I left there knowing that I was going to be running for mayor of Plattsburgh. And then I had to figure out how do I do this? Because I had just had a news conference weeks before saying I wasn't going to run for city council again, and I was leaving politics. 
at the end of 1999. And now all of a sudden, I have to figure out how I'm going to explain, oh, not only am I not leaving, I'm running for mayor. <laughs> so, of course, I did the typical politician thing, and they all do it. Trust me, they'll lie to you if they don't agree to this. I've had so many calls, people saying, Dan, you can't leave. We need new direction. We need so you should run for mayor. I'm overwhelmed by the amount of people since I made my announcement I was leaving politics. I have to stay. That's political. <laughs> that, my, that, my friend, is politics. So before the conversation you had with the the, the rep up here and then before yeah. the conversation down in Albany, had it crossed your mind? Was it something where you're kind of like, maybe, but I'm kind of done? I'll tell you when it crossed my mind. When I first ran for office, I remember campaigning with Clyde. We were walking down South Catherine Street, and uh, we're walking along, going door to door with our brochures. And he said, wave. I said, what? He goes, wave. I said, at who? He said, the cars. Wave at the cars. So we just, we're just like waving, walking along and waving. People are beeping their horns, right? He said, yep, they see us. I was like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing, right? And then through the years, we got to a point, and I remember uh, that I was kind of kicking it around in my own mind and talked to a couple other people who naturally ran back to him and said, hey, uh, Dan might be thinking of running. But I remember one time Clyde said to me, he said, Daniel, he said, you're a good legislator, but I don't think that you'll be a, uh, a, a good mayor. But, you know, as, as a counselor, you're good, but I, I, don't, I don't think you'd be a good mayor. I don't, th I don't think that's your thing. You know, Clyde had an accounting background and all this other stuff. I had uh, a, a troubled childhood uh, and uh, homelessness in that same city years before and uh, all the other issues that go along with Daniel Stewart. And uh, I think sometimes it's very easy to talk to someone in a position I was in to say, no, you don't want to do that. You won't achieve. But what happened yeah. when people said, do you really want to run for office or a city council? I said, yeah, I want to do it. After, after that conversation, that's when I was open to running for mayor. And he, he uh, you know, Wait, the, con yeah. the conversation where he told you not to run for mayor? Where he told me that I, I probably wasn't qualified to, yeah. And how long before this, before, how long was this conversation to the time you actually ran? A couple months. Oh, well, so it was, months, it was pretty fresh. months before I agreed down in Albany to be a candidate. Okay. All right. So, was it just because he pure, it was kind of a, again, you kind of said the ego thing. Was it just he said you couldn't, oh, yeah. so you said, screw you, I'm going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. I love it. Yeah. Competitiveness. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, but but it was tough though, because I, I gotta be honest, even at times that I didn't get along with Clyde, I still admired Clyde. Right? I admired his tenacity and his just his his energy, right? The the, the guy the guy was good. You know, I, I, I looked up to him in many ways. So uh so I decided I'm gonna run and at that time Senator Stafford was meeting with me and yeah, we're talking about it, and and da, da 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 da. We did a poll, right? So it's now toward the end of summer. We do a poll. This is probably July, August. I'm 34 points behind in the poll. <laughs> wow. Right, 34 points. You can't make that up and win an election. That's impossible. And you've already this at this point. You were set. You guys were the two that were running. Yep. Yeah, we were running. Had the nominations. Had the whole gig going. Right. And. I'm like, okay. And then, then of course, Clyde is like, well, you know, Dan Stewart's going to go out and get all that PAC money from all the gay groups. And, uh, you know, but he had done a lot of things for the gay community because he was trying to become lieutenant governor at one time. And he was very involved at the state level when he was trying to be the lieutenant governor candidate with gay groups. And gay groups didn't want to give me money. 
because they didn't want to offend Clyde. Right? So think about the dynamic of that. So I made it, I told him, yeah, I'm going to hold boatload of money from the gay groups, man. It's going to be an amazing amount of money for this campaign. And that would get back to him. They'd be like, oh, the gays are sending them the money. And, you know, at the same time, they weren't because they didn't <laughs> really get in the middle of it, right? Because they had an ally in Clyde. So I'm just putting out misinformation. And I think it worked. And uh, so, uh, so then I did get some money from outside, but the majority of my money, the great majority came from inside. It came from the state. It came, you know, from people across the state, from local community, business community. And, uh, and it was really interesting because then at one point, I said, like, we got to do something different. And Media Central was my uh, group that was doing my uh, campaign. And we came up with the idea, because I went up to Montreal so often. We came up with the idea to get one of those billboard trucks from Montreal down in Plattsburgh with a big sign on each side of elect mayor, Dan for mayor, right? So I go up there and I, I negotiate it. And the driver comes down one day and here's this like 20 foot long, like sloped in thing. And I'm like, oh my God, this is great. It has a picture of the Eagle on the monument and me and all this, you know, and it's just, it's crazy, right? I'm like, this is the greatest thing. And, and at night you turn the lights on and it glows, right? So uh, that first that first night, there was a football game down at uh, Bailey Park. And uh, yeah. I took the truck and I went down in through that parking lot area and I'm going along. And you can see people in the stands standing up and looking out. What the hell is that? Right. And here I go with the Dan Stewart from Air Truck. Right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. Right. So we start driving around. So within a couple of days, though, you know, the opposition was upset. You know, first of all, they came out and accused me of hiring non-Americans you know, to work for me, driving a vehicle in the United States, and it was illegal. So we sent the driver back to Quebec, and we just drove the truck after that. And, uh, you know, and Quebec, the, the province that was so close and near and dear to, to uh, Plattsburgh at that time uh, and its leadership, uh, it was so hilarious. But then all of a sudden, one day, we're being followed. And it's a North Country junk truck of some sort, you know, that they had hung a whole bunch of banners on, elect Clyde, right? So you had like, wow. so you had like this Rolls Royce going down, being followed by like a Chevy Vega, <laughs> right? And at one point, their driver tried to drive ours off the road. All right, that's how nasty it can get. That's wow. not hyperbole. That's the truth. All right, and and, and I I think Joe Lotepley interviewed me on that way back in the day, and. Uh, I mean, it's hilarious. So we got this junk truck chasing this really slick Montreal marketing truck. And all of a sudden, the numbers, you know, are starting to get closer, right? And it was about five days before the election when I got a call and someone said, uh, you are pacing one and a half points behind, but you will pace to win for maybe under a percentage point. I said, you kidding? I'm like, no, you could win this thing. All depends on what happens in the media in the next few days. And then all of a sudden there was this news thing that came out that I, I'm not even going to talk about, but I, it was bad. And uh, not for me, but it was bad. And, you know, so everything hits the fan. Anyway, election day comes. And I remember that, uh, you know, I'm sitting at uh, Christine Rotella's house. I, I think it was. I think it's where we were. And I had a friend of mine uh, that was with me. And we're sitting there talking, and uh, all of a sudden the numbers are coming in, and they're like, "I'm wiry. Dan Stewart's the next mayor of Plattsburgh." <laughs> and 
Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> this happened? And I looked at my friend John and I said, John, um, no, my husband John, but a friend John. I said, John, I'm not going to swear here, but I said, what the do I do now? And he, said, <laughs> he, laughed. he said, everything you've been talking about for the last six months, that's what you have to do now. Let's go up to headquarters. So we went up to Republican headquarters. I'm Republican now, right? Rhino, Republican in name only. And the Republican Party knew that. Everybody knew I wasn't a Republican per se. And uh, so I rhinoed up uh, with John to headquarters and walked in <laughs> and, uh, and walked up the microphone. It's a great night. And then I think it was, uh, I forget, uh, David something from PTZ. He goes, Maris, uh, uh, Cosmo Stewart, there's still like 700 absentee ballots out there that haven't been counted. And this, this is a 60 vote race. He said, can you really claim victory? And I remember saying, you know, David, for now, it's the taste of victory. It's a great feeling. We'll see what the outcome is later. But for right now, it feels good, right? <laughs> I had no other answer because I forgot about the absentee ballots. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm in the moment. And we, we uh, that was at the American Legion, I believe, up on, uh, I don't know what the heck's right. It's up off, um, anyway. Uh, and, and we're at the American Legion, and I leave. And I said to John, I said, oh, my God, all, the, all, those, all those votes are out there. I wonder what's going to happen. He goes, well, we'll see, you know. So uh, a couple of days later, uh, oh, and while I'm at headquarters, Governor Pataki calls, right? And and I have a video of this. And I, I'm on the phone, oh, excuse me, it's the governor. And everybody's like, yeah, right. I'm like, yeah, governor, da, 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 and talking to him. And uh, he saw me up in a couple of days. So sure enough, he flies up in a couple of days. Wow. And he lands. We meet at the airport. All the cameras are there, of course. You know, and uh, here comes Governor Pataki. It was a good year for him. He had, I think, uh, a Hispanic, a black, and a gay that got elected uh, that he had supported. And it was good for the Republican Party, right? And it was showing more of a tent in New York, New York State, which he was really, he was truly there. You know, that's where he was as a governor. I, I, I love the guy. I, I, he really did so much for Plattsburgh. And, and, and you know, through, through me being a mayor, we got a lot that we didn't normally deserve in Plattsburgh. And, uh, you know, so I, I meet him and we're sitting in the restaurant in the airport having an egg salad sandwich or something. And uh, he goes, uh, so I hear some absentee balance. I said, ah, don't worry about it. We're fine. We're fine. He goes, like, how many are there? I said, well, six or seven hundred. He goes, well, what do you think you want out of them? I said, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, OK. He said, well, don't lose it. I said, OK. And he left, flew out. And uh and then after everything was all told, I think I won by 104 votes. I actually added 40, 30 some odd votes. That's actually pretty. So, yeah, that, that's wild. So in three, four months, or what do you say, August? So four months, you ended up going, or less than four months, you went from 30 down to 30 down eight, to one bit than, barely. Less than 1% win. Yeah. So how, how was that? Because that, so again, base, base here, Clyde was a five-term mayor. So he'd yeah. been there for well over a decade almost 20 yeah. years yeah so was that again at the time i was i was a kid but so i don't remember as as much i'll actually tell you my story as of, of what i remember right. it, it's it's nothing nothing too crazy but the uh so the whole the whole thing when you got elected i mean i'm assuming that kind of shock shock waves through the area well you know it was interesting because um I, I think, yes, it gave shockwaves, but it also showed that Plattsburgh is this, is this, micro, it's, it's like this, this little pocket of liberalism to a degree in the North Country, right? It's the city of the North Country. So um, 
you know, it, it really, it showed a diversity openness. And the fact that that happened and that it continues to happen up there, you know, and, uh, and that anybody, anybody in Plattsburgh can run for city council or mayor and win. I believe that in Plattsburgh. Mm -hmm. If you have the right message, you can win. You know, it, it's salesmanship. Politics is salesmanship. You have to sell yourself, right? You sell, you sell homes, right? Mm -hmm. You have a shtick. <laughs> you give you a spiel, right? And you sell homes based on what the home is. This is the structure. This is what it will hold. This is what this is good for, right? It's the same mm -hmm. thing in politics. So if you were in for mayor, you could win being a mayor. I don't care how popular the other guy is. And it's not as though Clyde was a bad mayor because he wasn't. I still think he's the best mayor the city's ever had. But it was time for change at that moment by the slimmest of margins. And that's how it all went down. And uh, in ways I felt bad, to be honest with you. I felt bad because I, I, I admired Clyde. Though we had some differences, I admired the guy and I felt kind of like <laughs> guilty to a certain degree. But at the same time, it was a great opportunity to say, hey, okay, here's the new direction, let's go. Let's see what we can do. And uh, that started a six and a half year uh, stretch until I left uh, to go to the state. So, um... So during that time, like, what could you sum up in like the six years? So 2000, 2006, what was that? Yeah. So during that time, what, what was, um, how could you sum up kind of what you did during that time or, you know, how you left, you got Plattsburgh to how you left Plattsburgh? Well, uh, when I started in as mayor, I think one, one of the most important thing was to talk with Dan Wenicke over at Park and to talk about the reuse of the Air Force Base and to accelerate that motion of taking ownership of the old base and making a part, it a part of the city and to take over the properties. Now there was some underground pipes around the oval uh, that had asbestos and we would be subjected to that and have to deal with potentially having to remove asbestos piping at some point. So if you ever read the book Flying High in Plattsburgh, uh, go to that bookstore over on the corner of uh, Margaret and uh, City Hall Place and get yourself one of them in there. It, it, yeah, in fact, last time I was up there, I bought two of them. And in there, it says that, you know, I, I was a bit of a shrewd negotiator, right? Uh, when you add up the fact that the city ended up owning the maintenance facility for vehicles on the new base, we ended up owning the gym, all of the properties uh, that we wanted, all of the vehicles that we wanted, everything on my list that I gave, they gave us for us to take on a $1.3 million responsibility for a bunch of pipes, right? So that was a mega deal. It was a huge mega deal. And I'll never forget when Dan Winnicke and I were gonna open up the gates of that old base because they had gated the base. And Dan and I were in front of the cameras and he, you know, Dan had no hair. So I got him a Gorbachev uh, patch to put on his bald head. And I had a Reagan mask, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was, Mr. Winnicky, tear down that fence. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you guys did on TV? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hilarious, right? I mean, it's absolutely hilarious. I had fun with Dan Winnicky. Now, Dan Winnicky was a pain in the ass, too, all right? <laughs> Dan Winnicky was a shrewd negotiator. Dan Winnicky could run circles around some people, and he had a shtick. Uh, but we worked well together. And uh, we, we, I think we did a lot of good uh, on the reuse of the base together, him and his team and me and my team and, you know, getting that moving. But uh, there were certainly 
a lot of different things that happened over those six years, but that's how it started was the Air Force Base. We had to show the community that things were gonna move, things were gonna happen, right? And uh, that's why the US Oval, all those buildings out there went up for sale, uh, why they were sold. And those are some of the first pieces of the base that really turned into a lucrative uh, venture for anybody was all that housing. And the properties that were opened up by it where like Latinville built some stuff down there and uh, others were building different things and renovating things. And I was bringing in outside developers as well. And people were ticked off about that. And, you know, I, I'm like, well, then get your checkbook out and write the same check they're writing. And then you can't cry about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, people were taking risks, you know, Neil was risking it. Seton was risking mm -hmm. it. Uh, Latinville, uh, other, it, there was a lot of risk taking place, but I think that, I think everyone I just mentioned, they all in their hearts are Plattsburgh people and they have a belief in where they live. And they had a belief that the future would be good and that the investments would be sound. And they were right, you know, they were right to do it. And I'm glad that they did it. I'm glad that they got those checkbooks out and did that and, and, had, and have, have had the successes that they, they've had. And the city of course was able to get all of the US Oval and the the gym and the maintenance facility for our public works department, get them out of that old crappy stuff they were in on whatever street it was and put them out on the base. And you know, those were big changes for us. And opening up the waterfront, you know, Frank Cash used to have his boat down there to do the booze cruises and it was a junkyard, right? And I was able to get $6 million from the state and the Fed to move the rail yard off that waterfront and put it out in the Air Force Base. They redirected the DNH Railroad and it went across the air base. That's why you have a park down on the waterfront. That's why you have that huge parking lot everybody still bitches about, and they need to get over it, uh, you know, because it, it, I brought in, you know, with, with the Shaver Commerce, we brought in all those FFW. Your, what, what do you got? What are you looking at? Oh, you're that's your parking lot. All right, beautiful. That's your parking lot right there. That's it right there. The parking it, lot to nowhere. Look at it. Let me tell you about the parking lot to nowhere people that can all take a hike. <laughs> all right, I'm telling you right now, I couldn't say it then, take a hike, people because you're whining, you, you, you need some cheese for your wine, all right? The fact is, is that you have major tournaments for bass in that mm -hmm. lake and it brings in economic development. No, the hotel wasn't successful, but you know what? I got you the money to clean up all the environmental dangers that were down there so you could have public spaces and be able to use it up until today and for the generations of your children and grandchildren to come. All right, so there, take it, stick it, all right? <laughs> stick it. Every damn one of you hey. that whined about it, stick it. Dan, that was the best summary I've ever had about that, but I love it. Yes, <laughs> I look at it every day, and I, I think it's, a, I, you know, and, and I think uh, one of the reasons I love my office, like a metaphor, is, like, I get I get to look at it every single day. So I look at, what do we call it, your parking lot, someone's parking yeah. lot, we, we look at it here, and, uh, you know, it's kind of cool because you kind of can see eventually that will start to be developed and, and yeah. used, but it's it's like anything. It takes time. It's not, you can't snap your fingers and it's done. You know, yeah. well, 10 well, years, all of a sudden, this is like all popped up. You, you know, I mean, look, it's like everywhere. Nobody's ever satisfied. Yeah. All right. Nobody's ever satisfied. Right. But why didn't they do this? Why don't they do that? You know, and it's like, okay, well, you elect the people. They come forward with ideas. You get what you get. Well, the, the other thing with with politics is there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks or Monday morning quarterbacks. They'll sit there and they'll dissect the everything. But then you look at office. the people that will never run for office. They oh, are absolutely. The and then, right. but then you look at the, there's always, and again, I just talking to people and talking to anybody that makes decisions, talking with politics or politicians. 
if you ask them questions, they always say, yeah, but these were some facts that people don't know about. And it's like, you right. never know all the facts. You're looking at the end result. Right. Why'd you put up a parking lot? That's stupid. Do it this right. way. And I hear it all the time. And I'm like, I'm like, if we were a fly on the wall at the meetings and knew everything that, you know, Dan yeah. and whoever was there would knew, then you would understand that, you know, the decision they made. Yeah. Most decisions I would think are, are done pretty logically or, you know, with, with yeah. the facts. And you, you sound like you make a rash, rash decision and be like, ah. I don't know. We just kind of threw the threw the dart at the map, and that's where it landed. The building at the end of the city parking lot, right? The one that was built there, right? That, that was a Vermont yep. developer that built that, right? Yep. When I wanted to put that down there, we came forward with those plans. All hell broke loose, right? First of all, the downtown this business is, community. This what? is Durkee, the Durkee Street. Yeah, Durkee, Durkee the glass building. And, uh, yep. Yeah, and yep. you know the downtown business owners are always protective of themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, they have their piece of the pie, right? Uh, now they have a choice. The pie can get bigger and they can have a larger slice or they can have that piece of pie and hope that it doesn't erode. And that's the way I look at it, right? That's how I see business in downtown Plattsburgh. That's how I saw it. So we did our best to change the, uh, just as Clyde had started with the renovations and facade program, we continued that, then did some out outdoor seating areas and that little one-way slot that went up in between uh, mm -hmm. up towards uh, Bono Pizza and all this other stuff. And we we, we had flowers out during the summer, like prettying it up, doing the best we could to make it the best it could be for what we had. Because we didn't have a core downtown business per se, like Burlington. And folks, we never were. We never were, because Plattsburgh is not Burlington. Plattsburgh was a Plattsburgh State, Plattsburgh Air Force Base town. That's what it was. And and we we built our, well, People built their livelihoods off of that. And then when it started to transition, other things transitioned, but there was always this self-protectiveness of downtown Plattsburgh from its owners down there. And I think that sometimes to the detriment of that downtown. And, you know, there was constantly complaints about, oh, there's not enough parking down here. Okay, well, let's try to add more parking. We'd add it. Then the next thing you know, these restaurants coming in and saying, oh, we want Jersey barriers out on the road to block off areas where we can sit people out there. Oh, I thought you had no parking, right? So, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 the yin and the yang, you know, like we don't have no parking spots, but give me the five in front of my business so I can sit people on chairs and breathe in the exhaust of people while they eat their fish, all right? So, you know, those are the things that in the daily life of the mayor, you, you have to try to, you have to try to, you know, listen to, understand, placate, uh, deal with, and sometimes just try to shut it out of your head, you know, when these things come in, because sometimes they had no rhyme or reason. Other times they made perfect sense. There yeah. were times that folks in the business community came in with the greatest idea I'd ever heard. And I'd say, yeah, let's try to do that. And other times they come in, I'm like, are they smoking crack? I mean, what is up yeah. with these folks? Yeah. I, well, I, and that, that's the other thing too, is I think if, um, I think if everybody does it with the intent of like, one of the things that I think we're getting locally um and again it, i'm speaking from the, my generational you know and, and i find there's a lot of people and young professionals that are really starting to get another resurgence of pro plattsburgh and you know and i think a lot of them if they make decisions with the idea the better plattsburgh i think we're moving in the right direction yeah. i think as soon as people start making decisions where their decisions is very like egotistical very me centric i said we're yeah. going to fail and i think a lot of people you know, if they come to you with an agenda or they come with you with, with some type of, uh, 
you know, like, hey, this is my issue. This, and I'm really making this decision. It's kind of like when someone joins a, a PTO group or a school board because they got a vendetta against somebody and they want to get on just to make someone's life miserable. Where it's like, are you getting on it because the kids are you getting on because of the town, the city or who, what, which have you. But that's it. Um, yeah. And I think it's it, do you find that that was is that carried along pretty good or do you, did you find that you had to deal with a lot of. You know what? I, there were certain people in downtown that really made some wise investments and some wise moves. Uh, John Seaton, uh, I think, you know, I think he made some risky moves and, and I, there were positive moves for downtown. Um, some other folks did some positive downtown stuff. Um, but then when we would come forward with an idea, uh, and I remember one time we had this, the Bove project, and we were going to put it where that other parking lot is across from that bookstore we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought maybe a Dunkin' Donuts ribbon retail down below, uh, while it's right across from the Coffee Cat. Well, okay, so now we got Dunkin' Donuts versus Coffee Cat. And, uh, oh, my God, we're going to have lower middle-income people in that building. Uh, and, and then the argument was, well, the kids won't have grass to play on. All right, well, look, I grew up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, the concrete city, all right? Uh, when I lived in New York City for years, uh, in New York City, kids walked on concrete everywhere and occasionally found a park, right? Kids can't fail because they don't have grass immediately on their front yard. You know, kids fail for reasons other than just having a living in a downtown. Why fear living in a downtown? Well, you know, some people were, I believe, just didn't want lower medium income people getting those housing uh, pieces downtown. They thought it would ruin their downtown. So it's always that struggle of, you know, I, the 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 selflessness and the selfishness, and uh, you know, again, it's what part of the pie do you want, and how far are you willing to go to make that downtown something special? And I think that's where it takes that it takes a new generation to change downtown Plattsburgh. It takes that new generation. But as long as they don't have blinders on, right, and they can open those blinders a little bit to views of many people and be able to take that input and make sound decisions, I'm all for it. I mean, look, I, I wish nothing but the best for Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh played a huge role in my life. I mean, it's a, my, my whole coming into being was, was Plattsburgh, New York. So I wanted to succeed. But sometimes it can be its own worst enemy. And uh, that's unfortunate. But it takes that new blood. It takes new leadership. It takes youth, right? The old guard sometimes has to step aside and let the younger ones come in because it's their future. It's their kids, their grandchildren. And what are they going to leave for them? Yes, the other ones, you've done the best you could, whether it was good or bad in anybody's eyes, including my own. You did what you did. Hopefully the new ones come in and make it even better. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's my, as, as again, as I get a little older and i think you ran for council about the same age i am now so it's like kind of i can see the parallels where it's not that i want to run for council but i'm saying like i'm starting why to not? understand why not well, huh why i don't not? live in the city so that's the first thing the, uh-huh. the uh the <laughs> the i have to get on couch street though. oh you're one of those people so you don't live in the city you use our roads you don't pay taxes for them you come Nothing. in and mess up our roads give us potholes and you take a free ride on the city with your no, no. tax town not only that, Dan, I complain about the potholes too. So we, we oh, I bet you do. I hit them and I complain about them. So it's good. When I was first elected, everything was gay. All right. So the Press Republican would do a story. Uh, uh, the the uh, first openly gay elected mayor responded that the telephone pole blah or the pothole blah. And I went over to the Press Republican editors and I said, 
The potholes aren't gay. The telephone poles aren't gay. The, the streets and sidewalks are not gay. I am. It's not applicable to every story. Please stop gayifying this city. Right? It doesn't all have to be gay. If you went back to those first first year and looked at every press Republican story, Joe Lotemplio, yes, and then uh, the first openly gay mayor of the you know, in New York for the city of Plattsburgh said, "Yeah, I think it's going to be a sunny day tomorrow." You know, because we had to preface it with that. The, the uh, so I, I guess how was that being openly gay in politics, especially if probably in a, a more conservative, not you know not as progressive as other parts of the country and not uh like now nowadays i you know we laugh about it because it doesn't seem like it like to me like that doesn't matter like if somebody's i had a kevlar vest i had a kevlar uh, vest for my inauguration really yeah wow i mean and again like i said i was a kid so like you don't even recognize it in historical context but like i mean it was a big like yeah we never talked about that i don't even think i've ever said that publicly wow yeah, I wore one when I was inaugurated because we had threats, and you know, I talked to the chief and talked to other people. Yeah, there there, there were there were moments where uh, I was very worried uh, because of it, and you know, and and there were some that were a little more extreme uh, in our area that would, uh, you know, I, I've never really talked about that, but I have to say this, you know, even though that was happening. The public at large had nothing to do with that. The voters at large had nothing to do with that, and I knew that. So, mm-hmm. although there was um, uh, there was some fear and, and threats in the beginning and stuff, that was not a Plattsburgh problem. It was a people problem, just a few, right? But yeah. it was worrisome. And but but the other positive part was is um, I could play the gay card to the Fed and the state, right? So uh, if you look at the amount of money that came in during my time as mayor and compare it to any other mayor uh, on a apples to apples basis of what the money was worth, I will hands down kick their butts across the board on the amount of money that came in from the Fed and the state into Plattsburgh while I was a mayor. So being being the first openly gay mayor in this is New York State, right? This wasn't right nationally, but still that carried weight all the way to the federal level. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, now, I mean, look, when I could go down to to, uh, to Washington, D.C. and go see Chuck Schumer or Hillary Clinton whenever I wanted to and meet up with them and say, hey, I need this money for a water project or this, that, and the other. I don't know that others did that, right? I don't know that others – I took travel very seriously, right? And I got beat up for it when I left because Casper Zak went after me on some bogus crap, uh, which turned out to be nothing in the end. But I traveled a lot in order to go to Albany and Washington to be known and to be a player that could get money. You, you see that shovel right there? Yeah. That shovel went in the ground at the Champlain border crossing station for a $250 million project that took place. Now, Gary at the chamber, mm-hmm. uh, the politicians uh, all up in the North country, but I was in Washington pushing as well. And I have a shovel and it's still, a, it's here in my home office. I, I, I'm a global worker. Uh, I, I was on last night with Australia. I'll be on after you today with Belgium. That shovel I get asked about all the time, and I tell the story about it, right? How Dan Stewart went to Washington to do his part to help get that money for that new border station up in Champlain, uh, St. Bernardo de Col. And that is what I did as a mayor. I highlighted Plattsburgh as a player. 
I used my access being an openly gay elected politician to go wherever the yeah. hell I had to go. Republicans, Democrats, I didn't care. And I would ask and I would get. And I am proud of that. What, so the reason, so I had Gary on this uh, a handful and Gary's one of my, one of my fellow time favorite uh, podcasts. Now, Gary, I have a lot of admiration for purely for the fact of what you just said was right up Gary Douglas's alley. He goes, hey, you take, well, he's a strategist. He goes, you figure out a way to do it. He had a background in politics. Obviously, you know, Gary well. Yep. And it, Gary talks about that. He go, he said, I went, he goes, I went to DC and they started to try to fund or to try to drop the funding. Go, how much do you need? He goes, 250 million. And they kept dropping. He goes, I need 250 million. And eventually yep. they got it. Yeah. But Gary, Gary said the same thing. He goes, you have to take the advantage that we have. You have to show why we're important to the big guys. Right. And then he goes, but you have to lean in on that and make sure that you're doing everything they need. So they look at you as an asset. And then you also have to take, yeah. you know, be patient, but you got to keep pressing. Hey, so, you mean, know that, what? Gary that... can be the most aggressive person to a political and, you know, person in DC or Albany. He can be very aggressive, um, but he's been very effective. And mm -hmm. some people are like, oh, him again? Right, him again because the guy believes in what the hell he's doing. Yeah, and he he truly believes in it, and he pushes it, and he works for it, and he's probably one of the I don't know to today, but one of the more underrated underrated true champions of the North Country, not just Plattsburgh, but the North Absolutely. Country. And what he has done is what others were not willing to do. They wouldn't get off their ass and go to Washington. They wouldn't get off their ass and go to Albany. I did. I'd parallel track him. I'd go and do that. I remember him coming to my office and saying, hey, I don't think that you should be like uh, continuing your war post-election with Clyde Rabideau. It's not good for anybody. It's about what you're going to do for this city. All right? Mm -hmm. Good smack in the face. And he gave it to me. I don't even know if he remembers doing that. Right? But those mm -hmm. things have to happen. But he, he was aggressive enough to be a pain in the ass to everybody and probably still is today. But he's the most effective non-elected person that the North Country has ever had, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I, if there's a class right at Mount Rushmore, Gary Douglas is on, in my opinion. He so has he's, to be. He yeah, has to be. He's, uh, yeah, he, I, I mean, he looks like a little godfather, but he's he's effective like one, too. And uh, <laughs> no, I think I think it's great. The uh, so I'm, I'm kind of going down a couple things here. So the the two things, because again, I was young. The two things that I remember most about you in your time as mayor, um, the first one very, very quickly was I was at the Mayor's Cup 2000. The only reason I, really, I remember this because I still follow this band to this day. We there, was band a down a, there was a missing kid at that one, I think. Is that the one? Oh, maybe it wasn't me. All right. So maybe it was. I don't know. But right. I don't remember if I was. So um but I remember going down, you had a concert, there was a concert down right by the uh, monument. It was the band Strange Folk. I don't know if you remember yeah. them. Yeah. Great. I still follow them to this day. Actually, the last show I saw before COVID, the shutdown was actually the lead singer over in uh, Vermont. Really? Um, solo. But I remember you getting up and announcing and bringing them on. And I don't even think I knew it was you at the time. I just knew it was the mayor. Right. And uh, you got up and said something about we have Strange Folks in here today or something like that. And then they ended up playing this concert. Which you can actually find online. I found there's a website that actually has a really? recording. Really? I don't know if it has you, but they had fireworks. There's a break in there for fireworks. Well, send me the link. Send me the link. The uh, yeah, I was, I'm one. I, I'm almost positive your voice is probably in the beginning announcing them, but I'd have to go back and look. So I'll okay. send. I'll send the. Uh, I'm writing it down now, but I'll I'll send that over to you. But 
again, one of my favorite bands. I think that was like my first band ever, or first concert I ever went to. I was probably like nine or 10. Um, let me see. Mayor's Cup. According to Dan. There we go. I'll make sure I get This is very important. Right. I'll make sure I, I'll get that to you. The, uh, and then the other thing that I, I remember back um, in the, I don't know what year it was. You can probably tell me, but the whole, the whole stop hate thing that went oh, on. Yeah. Yeah, that was with what the West. Oh my Battle. God, what a story that is! What yeah, a so story go that through is. that because I mean I remember oh. it and it was kind of a, it was a complete circus, but obviously you were the center of the attention at that point. So, all right. all right. So I already told you I didn't go to college. All right, I don't have a degree in anything other than being a human being. But if I could have ever thought this out ahead of time, I'd be a genius. It all happened by by mistake. All right, but there are people to this day that think I did it on purpose, but it was by mistake. So. As a gay person, I, of course, stay attuned to the hate groups that hate me and other people like me. Yep. And there was this group out there. And uh, and at that time, you have to remember a few things. Now, uh, so you don't remember the vagina monologues, do you? I, I'm aware of the name. I've never, those are at Plattsburgh State, right? Yeah, yeah. So Plattsburgh yeah. State was going to put on the vagina monologue event. And they had called the electric department in Plattsburgh, MLD. And they had said, we want to put the banners across at the entrance of the city that the vagina monologues are coming. Right? And uh, the, the head of ML, MLD called me up. He goes, Mayor, I got a problem. I said, what's wrong? He goes, I don't know how to talk about this. Said, Just say it. You know? Well, it's a v- v- vag- vagina monologues. I said, what? He goes, it's Plattsburgh State, the women's group. They, uh, they, they want to put these banners across on the poles of the city. Uh, state <laughs> vagina monologues. And I said, what? <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, do, do you want to do it? I said, hell no, I don't want to do that. All right? He goes, okay. All right? So he turns them down. Well, enter controversy. Right? Suddenly, uh, I get a call from the Press Republican. I think it was, I think it was Joe Lotemplio. Uh, he was, I need, I need, I need a, I need a, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Joe. It was, uh, it was a lady that was working. She worked, I think in the Malone newspaper tour, that area. And, and she called her and said, uh, the, the women's group put in for this. You know, the, I forget the name of the group. I, I don't want to say women's group, but the, the, and, and, uh, they want to do this. And apparently you said no. Now I was actually in Montreal when she called and I was in a conference, right. And I'm busy. And I'm like, listen, I don't have time to talk to you right now. And she's like, I need a quote because we're going to print, right? I said, fine. I will not have any vaginas hanging across the poles of my city. We're not going to do that. Well, I might not have said that the proper way. <laughs> okay. And all of a sudden, I became mayor anti-vagina monologue. And I, my email crashed. You know, email wasn't as good as it is today. Mm-hmm. I just got, I mean, every woman's group across the country was emailing me boatloads of them, just killing my email inbox with, you know, you're a hater, you hate women and all this stuff. And I'm like, I marched with you. I'm pro, I'm pro choice. I marched with you. So I went to Planned Parenthood and I said to the lady there, I said, Kathy, I marched with you. I marched in front of you. I what is going on here? Well, you shouldn't talk that way, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? All I've tried to do, I've always tried to do things that are good for women. And uh, anyway, it became a big controversy. <laughs> Sold out every show at Plattsburgh State. And for the first show, I was actually there 
up in the area, high above where they look down upon the crowd, but you're not in the crowd, yeah. just so I could see what was going on, right? And then I got snuck out of there, but I wanted to see it. But I think the controversy helped them to sell it out. Uh, but I ended up, I mean, it was in the London Times, all right? Jeez. All right? I mean, that's how bad it was, right? I got hammered. There's never been a, a, a better proponent of women and their rights to to make choice than I, uh, as a mayor of that city. I don't, unless someone's done something more legitimate since me. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was quite the experience. Uh, I'll never forget that one. I won't feel what we were talking about before I went off into well, that, and, and that And I'm assuming that was more of just like, I just don't want a banner hanging up above that. Could have been anything. Yeah, Could have yeah. been a banner, yeah. a motorcycle club or something like that. Yeah. No, I don't want a banner up there. No, piss me off. Stop, listen to the question and answer it properly. Don't go off the cuff. Because if yeah. you do, you're going to get slammed. No, so uh, the, the original thing I was going was the old, I, I just remember the, the, what is it, the Baptist church that came and they had like yeah. the. Yeah, the so, so, and so it was Mayor's Cup. Right. And yes. um, and someone, I think the pro-life folks. Oh, here's another one. Right. Yeah. So the pro-life folks come in. They want to have a booth at Mayor's Cup. Like, no, we don't want to turn it into a political thing because the next thing you know, such and such will be in here looking for a booth. Well, the next day after the Press Republican runs their little newspaper uh, article, mm -hmm. they get a fax and I get a fax from that group out in whatever state, Kansas or wherever the heck they were. And it showed sick men in uh, a scene of sexual perversion, let's say. And uh, uh, your fag mayor has uh, said these things, and, and that queer uh, is no good. And your whore churches in Plattsburgh are going to pay, and we want a booth. And if you refuse us, we will take you to court. Imagine that. So I think myself, self, you just opened your mouth again. <laughs> you know? So all hell breaks loose. Police department has to plan for the arrival of, and uh, they get their booth or they get to come and protest, but they're going to be protesting all the churches because this, this uh, Satanistic city with its churches has allowed a homo to be elected. And, uh, and, and God hates queers and uh, God hates fags and uh, AIDS kills uh, homos and all those signs and then anti-church signs that they brought with them. Anyway, uh, we were having some problems. John and I were getting some problems at home over it and, uh, you know, with, with, with threats. And, and the chief of police, uh, Desi Rasko, at that time, he said, uh, Mayor, now just do me a favor. All right. Now, now, this is a guy that was my best man, all right, at my wedding. Right. Okay. Mayor, I need you to do me a favor. Just stay home. I looked. And I said, "What? Just need you and John just to stay home. Don't incite anything. We don't need any issues. We don't need any lawsuits." So I went and talked to John about it, and John said, "Him? Uh, yeah, we'll go do whatever we want to do." So the day of the arrival of that group, and they're on these different corners protesting our beautiful churches. And uh, we're going by St. Peter's and we see this huge outbreak going on and all the people from St. Peter's are going to St. Peter's, right? And they're all going in there uh, because the churches are, are, the churches are doing like a peaceful counter protest of people just going to church and sitting there and, and having, you know, a, a session, a church session, right? And mm -hmm. uh, now I'm, I, I didn't know I was a Catholic until I, until my uh, mother passed and, 
And when I found out, I had went to Father John Yankovic from St. Peter's and I, I said, I got to talk to you. And he's like, what's up? And I said, well, that's a, let's find out that I'm a, I'm a Catholic. And he goes, oh, and how does that make you feel? I said, guilty. <laughs> he goes, you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> and Father John was uh, one of those people, I'm not a religious guy, but Father John was one of those people that I could, I, you know, he was just always, there was a smile there and there was a yeah. comfort level. There was a peacefulness to him, right? And uh, we're driving by St. Peter's, the protest is going on. I said, screw it. We pull over into the parking lot at St. Peter's. John and I walk around the side of it toward Cornelia. We turn the corner and all of a sudden, the, you know, the news groups see us, the cameras are on. Now here's John and I, hand in hand, walking down Cornelia Street into St. Peter's Church, Catholic Church, right? And the cops are looking at us, city police are looking at us with a look of, how dare you? How dare you? And they were tipped. They were not happy because they're trying to control the situation. And how dare we do this? And to this day, I still fight with Desi Rousseau about this. And I tell him he was off base and his crew was off base. How dare you ask me to hide myself? How dare yeah. you ask me and my husband to hide ourselves? How dare anybody ask us to hide ourselves and screw you? So John and I walked into St. Peter's. I had no clue what we were walking into. The place is packed. We go walking in and people stood up and started to clap their hands. Really? And it, it makes me emotional right now. All right. Wow. That's pretty cool. And I had tears coming down and we sat and we sat there and I was like, I have never until this day felt so a part of something as I did that day in St. Peter's church in Plattsburgh. Wow. And, and uh, it was uh I'll tell you, I'll get emotional right now. It was a truly uh, spiritual moment for me. It was something that was uh, a pure sign of love against hate. Uh, that people who profess that uh, their God teaches them not to hate but to love was there. It was in that church that day. And it, it just brought a whole bunch of things into, into line for me spiritually. As a, uh, I'm not religious, but spiritually for me, it was it was an awakening moment for me, and and the love that was shown uh, at that moment was absolutely incredible. Uh, do you hear that ringing? Do you hear that? That's your next call. But do no. you hear it? Oh, okay. I have the noise reduction on, so I want to make sure that's not bothering. Oh, no, you're perfect. Yeah, so so that was a very interesting moment, and uh, and they eventually went away, and uh, you know we John and I continued to fight with the police department about where we could or couldn't go. And, uh, and we had had it, you know, we had had it, we, you know, I'm an openly gay mayor. I'm not hiding in a closet, you know, don't ask me to stay away. So you don't have to control something to this day. It still ticks me off. And, um, yeah. you know, so, so yeah, that, that was a, that was a moment where so much, so much coverage came into that, but I tried to use it as best I could to really be a positive thing for Plattsburgh, but Becky Leonard and the rest of the folks that were involved in the stop hate campaign, right. They did such great work. They had those stickers that were going on every business before it happened. Yeah. All the I just remember the black like stop sign. Yeah, it was yeah. absolutely yeah. incredible. The work that they did was incredible. And I, I stayed away from them because I didn't want to be, I didn't want it to appear in any way that I was leading that charge because I wasn't. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was the, the citizens of our, our city in North Country 
coming together saying, how are we going to stand up against this when they come here? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that was another turning point for the city. I think yeah. another point where everybody had to stop and pause for a minute and think about what are we, who are we, what, what do we really stand for and what do we believe? And I mean, I just will be forever grateful to, to the folks, everybody for the work they did on that campaign. And it still survives today. I still see stop heat stickers every now, now and then in places in Plattsburgh. Right. Yeah. And it's I've seen them. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Dan, I, uh, like I said, I, I appreciate you doing this. I know time-wise we'll, we'll Wait, uh, we didn't get into Travelgate yet. We're not leaving no. yet. No, we're doing Travelgate. Huh? We're doing Travelgate. You had, oh, you got more, to, you can tell me if you like. You yeah, no, story? Wait, wait a minute, let me check my calendar here because Belgium can wait. I am doing Travelgate because I got a chip on my shoulder and I'm going to get rid of it today with you. Good. Right? You're travel in. Travelgate. All right, so <laughs> I get tapped. I get tapped to be the chairman of the State Commission of Correction. Okay. That position is where you oversee the regulatory operation of the state prison system, the county jails, New York City's Rikers Island, the secure juvenile facilities, and about 560 police department lockups across the state, including NYPD. I get is this out of Albany? Yeah. So, okay. so Governor uh, Governor Pataki, I'm with him one day. He talks to me about it. Uh, he had certain reasons he wanted to do it, and I said yes, I'll do it. And uh, in June of uh, 2006, that's when I left to take that job. Okay. No sooner than I left and Jack Stewart took over as mayor pro tem and then came the big race, right? Who's going to be the next mayor? Now, for years and years, there was a certain guy that just wasn't ever going to get the nod to run for mayor. Ron Stafford wasn't going to give it to him or probably half the time didn't have the will to do it. But now Clyde Rabideau was out of the way. Dan Stewart was out of the way. So he's going to run for mayor. And part of his campaign was to clean up the city of Plattsburgh, that damn mess that Dan Stewart left. Let's talk about the mess. That city was in better infrastructure shape than it had been in decades. That place had received so much funding for so many things and done the best that I could. But 9-11 and the downfall of real, you know, uh, the, the real estate markets was, you know, things that were hitting, but 9-11 really killed a lot of things and the uh, retirement fund for the state of New York is a really weird retirement fund for uh, state and local workers. When they lose money because of economic downturn, the taxpayer makes it up in New York State. So not only do you pay taxes for people that retire in New York State, you pay taxes to make up the difference of losses in the stock market if necessary, because our payment to the state retirement plan went from about 25,000 to over $2 million in two years per year. This is Plattsburgh. Yeah, Plattsburgh alone. Wow. Right? What does that mean? That means that you have to make up that loss and you have to have that every year thereafter. So I raised taxes. My first tax increase, I think it was 27 or 28%, something like that. They hadn't been raised squat in over 10 years. Right? So I raised them. And when they had to be raised again because of that, uh, because of that hit by the retirement system, I mean, you can't pluck money out of the air. You can't say, okay, you know, because we we dried up our reserves. I used every bit of our reserve money as far as I could go, and then we got down to an instruct structurally imbalanced uh, budget. So uh, it was it was showing hopeful revenues, not solid revenues. 
right? So there was probably about a $400,000 gap, something like that, which, by the way, came in. But anyway, I left. So uh, this guy named Don Kasperzak came in to be mayor. And when he came in, the first thing he did was started to dig in and say, we need an audit of the finances of the city because somebody had a little hair in the wrong place and said, Dan Stewart abused his travel. All right. So Travelgate took place. So Donnie came out like Donald Trump does, right? With 15 mounds of paper and there's nothing on it. They're blank pages or the pages of something else that mean nothing, right? <laughs> I think he's got $14,000 of taxpayer money that he owes. We're going to find out how much he owes. We're going to dig into this. Okay, Donnie, go do your thing, right? And in the end, that monstrosity of accusation and stupidity and childness and sorry that you didn't get the nod earlier, Donnie. All right. Here's what happens. They come back to me in the end with a $1,400 bill. All right. $700 of it for, I think, Duke University for something that I had attended at Duke as mayor. And they wanted me to pay for the outfit that I had rented from Mirabelle up in Montreal to be the wizard, the, uh, the wizard in the Wizard of Oz with the youth theater down by the monument because we had theater. I, at Plattsburgh State, I was in dance uh, things with the students. I was in theater with the youth. I was in theater. I needed a, an outfit to be the Wizard of Oz. I was part of the Wizard of Oz. I had to learn the lines of Wizard of Oz. And they were crying and bitching about $75 <laughs> that I spent of taxpayer money on the Wizard of Oz outfit. Well, glory be to you, Donnie. Glory be to you and the other idiots and the <laughs> spineless fish city councilors who knew when I traveled, where I traveled to and knew of it, but they had no guts to stand up to you. They had no guts whatsoever to say, no, Donnie, that's wrong. He actually had our okay to do that. No, spineless fish sat back because they were scared, right? So I want to make this clear. I traveled for the citizens of Plattsburgh. I brought the money home. You got hundreds of thousands to the hundred. And I think people should be thankful for that. You can <laughs> criticize me for a thousand things, but that arrogant monstrosity of bull that was pulled in an attempt to have me removed from my state job through the controversy, stick it, Donnie. It never, it never worked for you. Wow. It never happened. You didn't get it. You got screwed. So, so he, so that was done to try to get you out of the new position. Also, of course it was. Wow. Of course. Why, why would you dig up something about crap like that, which actually was a mound of paper of nothing? All right. If he said I didn't have travel reports, where the hell did that paperwork come from? Yeah. There are no travel reports. Where there are no receipts. I produced the receipts. What is it? Whitney Houston, show me the receipts. What? 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 Uh, the. Well, the, the funny thing is, do you how think much, I've been holding how, how resentment? Much, do you think I've been holding resentment? That's good. Hey, let it out. This is good. This is so. But but Dan, if the other thing you look at, I will look at something like that. You see it in, in national politics too. Is like how much time, effort, resource, and and was given to that. Which at the end of the day, even if even if it was a legitimate fourteen hundred dollars, you spent all that time, effort, and energy for fourteen hundred dollars. If that, yeah, 
Like I look at that from a business perspective in my mind. I'm like, that's something you don't even worry about. I had to get a lawyer. I had to get a lawyer. Yeah, not right? even counting that. It's, it's just wasted right? time. It it's energy. It's and then they had to sign a paper saying, all right, we accept the 1400 Dancer will never be touched again for this. He's free and clear, blah, 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 right? And $1,400 and how many hours of city employees, attorney, the fees, yeah. you pay twenty loss. grand to do a $1,400 screw job, all right? And what did you get for it? Did you get your glory? Did you get your good feeling? Did it give you a little tingle there? You know, did yeah. you, are you happy about it, Donnie? Because you know what? It's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. That's wild. And I didn't I'm know, no I longer didn't... in politics. I can say it now. I don't have to answer to anybody. <laughs> so there, it's off my chest. I won't think about it anymore. Well, I'll still think about it because I still hate it. But the reality is, you know what? I, at least I had Gary Douglas walk into me and say, stop. Stop yeah. complaining about Clyde. Don't blame things on Clyde. It's yours now. Take the ship. All right? No one had the guts to go into Donnie and say, Donnie, yeah. you finally Maybe made it, right. man. You finally yeah. made it. You made it. You, you've always wanted to be senator, you know, but you, at least you're mayor. Accept it. Move on. No, yeah. let's go after Dan Stewart. That's wild. How long did that whole process take? Months, months I'm assuming. Yeah. Months. Yeah, they spent more than 20 grand. I, I don't know. Check it out. I, I mean, if they, well, why do an audit of an audit, audit, of an audit you know? Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, just it's, unnecessary money spent. That's the sad part time. of politics is it becomes so damn petty, yeah. right? It becomes so damn petty and so damn personal. And that's that's the problem with our country right now. You know, if you look at our country today, what a friggin' mess, right? And why yeah. is that? Because everybody's about self. Everybody's about self. And it's it's tragic. And that's both sides of the aisle. I have no yeah. super respect for Democrats or Republicans. Like I care less what party they're in. I just care what they're about. All right? Yeah. Well, and that's and that's the that's the problem. I think people are losing faith in, in uh, the political system. It's just like you're you're getting these people elected. They go down, they're going to give you this rah-rah speech as they got elected. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, wait, someone's paying me to get this cushy lifestyle for unturned limit yeah. that of time that, I don't know, it's just, I've kind of gotten turned off from it. The local stuff I still like because it's local and I know like the people. And like I said, if you're, you know, whether it's the mayor or, you know, Mike Cashman or if it's it's uh, Billy or whatever, whoever's, you know, in the position, it's like, what do they stand for? What is like, you know, right. do I think that they're leading the charge in the correct way or going with the right intent? They are great. That's the person I trust. I'm putting them in there. I'm not going to question them. Just let them do their thing. But I find, like you said, there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks and a lot of, a lot of uh, yeah. pundits and everybody talking yeah. and stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, they're, they're from the outside looking in. So it's, 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 it's like said, going off the tracks. If they're going off the tracks and you need to have change, you have change. Right. And that's yeah. what, that, that's what's supposed to happen. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, sometimes in in, uh, in politics and in communities, people can't get out of their own way, and they can't get out of the uh, whatever whatever that deep seated thing was and reason was to go after me or for anybody to go after anybody. That that's unfortunate. It doesn't have to happen that way, right? It just doesn't have to happen that way. I had to do some things as mayor on personnel issues that I really didn't want to do, but I was legally advised I had to do them. But you know what? There are other things that you don't do, and uh, unfortunately, yeah, that's what happens. I, I I'll tell, I'll tell you, it's, it's. I was talking to John last night. I told him I was going to be on a, a podcast with you. He goes, oh boy, and, and I said, <laughs> what? He goes, 
You're probably going to say it. You're finally going to say it. I say, yeah, I'm probably going to say it. You know, again, he's, he's my barometer, right? I love it. And, uh, I, I had, so, I mean, look, even after I left and went to the state job, uh, I was still working politics for Plattsburgh and Albany. Uh, you know, when they when they weren't sure they were going to get the funding for the park uh, where PAP stuff was at and everything to finalize that, I went into the governor's office and talked to him and said, look, you know, this is what you and I started together with the rail yard move. They need this funding, right? I got funding through the Department of Transportation at the state for stuff up in Plattsburgh while I was a chairman of corrections because I still believed in what Plattsburgh was doing, regardless of its leadership, regardless of its leadership, all right? I would still, when I could, make a move for Plattsburgh because I owe that city so much. I owe the people of that city my, my uh, livelihood. In all reality, I have what I have today because they gave me a shot. The guy least expected to get the shot, get the shot, and they gave that to me, and I'll be forever grateful for that. I just find it unfortunate that there will always be people within communities such as Plattsburgh, and I live here in, in, in Orlando. Uh, it happens here as well. There will always be those people that are out there trying to do it for the right reason, and there'll be people out there trying to do it for the payback wrong reason. And yeah. it's extremely unfortunate that that exists, but that's the reality. Uh, but, uh, you know, I haven't, look, I haven't had a conversation like this in years, dude. I left in 2006. It's 15 years ago, right? This is great. 15 yeah. years ago, and I haven't had a conversation. like Every now and then, Jill Otepley calls me up. Hey, hey, do you remember? And I'm like, yes. Well, what, did you say, Joe, 12 years ago? How the hell do I remember what I said? You know, come on. I'm like almost yeah. 60 years old. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and, you know, but he'll still call me up for something every now and then. And uh, I remember after I left, too, that Ducky Drake went wild on me and wiry, right? Suddenly, Ducky took like this left turn at right turn or 360 spin. I don't know what the hell was going on with it. But, you know, it's just people change and they, they go in these yeah. directions. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, especially when you're the recipient. You know, when you're the recipient being hammered and you don't have a chance to defend yourself because you're in a state job and you can't go out there and just yeah. call people what you want to call them and, 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 and say the things you want to say because you can't, right? You can't have the podium anymore. Yeah. It's the yeah. power of the podium and the stack of papers that was a bunch of crap, right? Come on, Donnie. Little Trumper. I would love to see the cl the clip of just walking in with all the paperwork. Oh my God, it was ridiculous. I, I, there's a picture <laughs> of it in the Press Republic. Go to the, go to the archives of the Press Republic. There's a stack of papers. I'm looking at it like, what the hell's that? If there are no receipts, if there are no travel, where? What is that? It was a prop. It's a prop. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look <laughs> that up. I think it'd be funny to see. If I find it, I'll send it to you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Be like a voodoo doll. You can just start like yeah. throwing stuff at it. All right, I got to go to Belgium now. All right, Dan. I, I appreciate this. This this was great. Like I said, I uh, there, there was some good stories here. I, I think some, <laughs> of the, some 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 of the stuff I was like, how do you get into, like? Usually, sometimes it's like boring. Look, like I got into politics because of this, or I took a political science class. They're like, no, I had the condom costume. Like this was the start. Like so, <laughs> it, it was good. Um, Dan, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for coming on. This yeah. was good. I'm glad. Hopefully, you got uh, you got some stuff out. And this is, uh, like I said, it was a good history I, lesson for me. Know, it's, it's kind of funny. I can laugh about it now. You know, it, yeah. it's like, you know, I, look, I, I was just putting on a nice show there, and uh, you know, it's, it's like the old politician, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it felt good to talk to you. Um, I appreciate it, and uh, keep up the good work up there. And uh, what, what are you, 30, 32? 
31. Be 32 in a couple months. Yeah. All right. So you're right at the age, right? So it's time yeah. to make decisions about your community, right? Uh, yeah, what part what part are you going to play in it? How, how far do you want to go? Um, I, I would say this. Skip the whole council thing. Just run, run for town supervisor or for mayor. All right. Skip the lower level. All right. Because when you're there, you're just kind of like a sideshow. Right? Step right in. Yeah. Step right up to the top. Don't mess I, uh, around with going up what, a ladder. I can't I can't be mayor, but I'll uh, I live right next to Mike. Mike Cashman. So I'll, oh, yeah. I'll tell well, Mike. I like Mike. I like Mike. Tell Mike. Mike's a good guy. He, he literally. I always tell people I can hit a golf ball at his house, so he's he's a good yeah. he's a good guy. Yeah. 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 Well, tell him that he's not in there for life, and uh, you know he's mentioned he's, that he's, he said he's going to put his term limit on himself. So I appreciate yeah. that, and I believe he will. Yeah, he's an ethical yeah. guy. He's yeah. an ethical. Oh, Mike, Mike, Mike's. Yeah, we're we're lucky to have Mike. He's he's good for sure. But you are. Um. Well, Dan. Yeah. All right. Okay. I thought I lost you. I'll well I'll let you go to Belgium. I'll I'll end it here. I'll send you. You have to send me the clip because it's the first time that someone else did the recording, which is which is yeah, great. I'll send it over. Yeah, give me delegate, my delegating yeah, over to you. I'll send it over. Beautiful, Dan. Thank you so much. Good luck with Belgium. Um, Thanks, buddy. That's it, folks. Episode one sixty three with uh, Dan Stewart. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling G A E. L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.